Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease before they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the streets are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And those are the closing words from our book that we've been studying seven weeks now called Ecclesiastes. It is, it, it appears, it feels like it is the deathbed words of King Solomon. Wisest man existed 500 uh, or five centuries BC. He was the king of Israel. He had unlimited resources, wisdom, time, and opportunity. As, long, as well as power, and he spent it all trying to find out the meaning and purpose of life. And now look at him, right, in his throne on a pile of money, books having been read, and he's trying to tell us about what the meaning and purpose of life is. He asks the bigger questions about meaning and purpose. He spent the first two chapters saying, you know, life without God, that's despair. And then the Chapters that have remained from 3 through 12, he's talking about, well, life with God, it's not a picnic either. It's confusing because it just doesn't seem like God is in control. It doesn't, there's so much cause effect that you would think would be going on in the world, but it doesn't appear to be going on. If, if God's made everything beautiful in its timing, he's not telling us about what that timing looks like. And so while Solomon's been asking these deeper questions about life now, in these last few verses, chapter, the last few verses, chapter 11, and all of chapter 12, I think he's talking to us and saying, look, there's, there's, so, much, there's so much you don't want to do in life. You know, I, I've, I've, I've gone so many places, I've made so many choices, and I wish that I could do them all over again. There's, there's, like, there's two levels of regret. There's, there's, there's regret while you're living, and there's regret while you're dying. And regret while you're living, the idea there is that there, as long as you're breathing, you can still change something. You can still make amends. You can 
Choose to be courageous and take responsibility for some of your choices. And maybe, maybe forgiveness will be granted to you by your friends or family, and you can do something about it. And then there's, and then there's regret while you're dying. And regret while you're dying means you're going to just, you're going to, you're going to bring it all to the grave with you. We're not going to die on a throne on a mound of money. We're going to probably spend the last days of our life in a bed that looks just like this. Stare at it. You'll be in a bed like that, probably. And it might be for quite some time. You might be in that bed when you turn 92. You could be in a bed just like that by December 1st. And there'll be wires hooked up to you, and there'll be people coming in and out, and you will be coming in and out. You might be surrounded by friends or family, or you might be all alone. The idea in life is to run out of, time, run out of air when you run out of money. But that doesn't happen much because you don't know when you're going to be running out of air. Again, we're going to spend the last days of our life in a bed just like that. Whether it's in December or in a few decades, we just don't know. And that's the problem. A very famous uh, psychiatrist named Eric Erickson, uh, some of you may have read his material, and if you have a degree, you studied him, that's for sure. He's famous for the eight stages of human life. And the last stage is this bed stage. And he says, at that point, you know, the eight stages has a positive and negative, each one. And at this stage, the end, it is talking about ego integrity or ego despair. A person that lays in that bed and they can't do anything else except breathe until they stop is going to be either proud of the choices that they've made and the investments they've, they've, they've made in life, or people will be in despair because they chose poorly, and they will be bitter and resentful and full of regret, but there won't be a thing that they can do about it. And so they just lay there and weep, usually by themselves. That's kind of the tone of today's uh, final thoughts by Solomon. And what's interesting, I find, is, is that he has the same or intensity and, and kind of he's coming at us like he has been enthusiasm, like he has in the whole book. But now it's kind of like a whisper. He's trying to get up, you know, lung capacity. And he's just, he's, he's like, you're going to see this bed. But before you do, before you get to this bed, you can't live with regret because you can't die with regret. Don't die with regret. I have warehouses filled with T-shirts that said, been there, done that, in every possible imaginable situation that you, could, that you can envision. And I, I want to tell you, there's four regrets that you cannot lay in this bed with. And that's what he talks about. Chapter 11, he starts at verse 7. The first one is missed enjoyment. Be grateful. Just be grateful for every single day. Look at verse 7. He goes, oh, how sweet the light of day and how wonderful it is to live in the sunshine. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember that the days of darkness, they're coming soon, for there will be many, because everything has to come, is coming to meaningless or mysteriousness. I don't know when that day of misery is coming, but here's the thing. If you, every day above the lawn is a great day. This first, this first regret is all about your attitude about life. And he's saying this, saying, sure, absolutely, there are dark days coming. 
you will grow old or you'll die, right? Those are the two alternatives, right? You will grow old, and growing old is hard. It requires great courage. But let's just talk about today, shall we? Every day the sun shines, you should be joyous. Everyone, does he say, everyone, let them enjoy them all. Every single one of them. There, an influential movie in my life was in 1988. I don't remember the movie, oddly enough. I just remember the first four minutes. It was called Milagro Beanfield War. It's a Robert Redford, kind of an artsy thing, very slow-moving movie. And it starts with an, a, a very old man. He, he could have been uh, quite old, like in his 80s, but he, he was a farmer in New Mexico, and so he was well-worn. So he could have been 65 or something. But anyway, you get the idea. He's He's lived a hard life. And so it starts with a zoom in on his face, and he opens his eyes, and you can tell that he's a little bit surprised, like that he, he was alive. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> anyway, and painfully, he gets, he rolls out of bed, it sits up, and then, and then again, with great anxiety, walks over to the window, looks outside, and in, in a classic Catholic fashion, makes the sign of the cross because he's thanking God for another day he gets to live. And, and because of the way Robert Redford directed this, it, it, it was a startling contrast to the way I was looking at life because this man is suffering to take a step, and yet he is grateful for what God is doing. He's grateful for another day to live. This regret is about, it's about attitude. You should be joyful for every day you live. You are a lucky dog. You should enjoy it. You should seize every opportunity. Did you know... Did you know there's no difference between waiting to live and waiting to die? We know people in these beds that are waiting to die, but we wait to live. Stop waiting. What are you waiting for? I'll tell you a story. It's going to be generic, and then I'll ask you to respond by, have you heard it before? A man works his whole life for retirement slaving away, never really home, or kind of neglects the kids sometimes, but when he's at home, he's at work, and when he's at work, he's at work, and he's working for this day of retirement. He finally gets retirement, and he's got a bucket of cash waiting for him, and then dies within one year of retirement. How many of you know a story like that? Just raise your hands. Right. Is that going to be your story? Are you waiting to live or waiting to die? Are you waiting? <laughs> Solomon is saying here, why? Why not joy today? Why not joy right now? You know what one of the biggest regrets is in life? When you're laying in a bed, when you think back 20 years or 10 or last week, when you saw the sun come up and you weren't grateful, there's no reason to not have joy about another day to live. That's what he's saying. And he says, you know what? That's not the only regret. There's another one. Not just attitude, but opportunity. The second regret that you're going to have, and you don't, want, you don't want this regret, is missed opportunity. And so he says, play hard inside the boundaries. Play hard inside the fence. And this next sentence, it's going to shock some of you. In this one sentence, it's, it's a very vivid picture of what God wants for your life. And I think you might be startled that he wants you to enjoy life. <laughs> he wants you to have a great life. He wants you to stay within the boundaries and be responsible. But once you get inside the moral boundaries, would you please 
yell and scream and take advantage of opportunities? Look what it says in verse 9. You are young. Be happy while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and, we're, and whatever your eyes see, take it. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Okay? So assuming God's judgment, right? we're going to be responsible. That's the whole idea of within the boundaries of his moral code that you can find in the Old Testament and New Testament as well. Okay, okay. what happens inside of that? That's where joy is. That is guilt-free, unencumbered celebration. And he's saying, whatever your eyes see in the context of that, of innocent indulgences, don't miss those opportunities. Okay? Smell the roses, he would say. Would you please take your shoes off and run in the grass more often? I know it doesn't contribute to your career advancement, but could you just be spontaneous about all the things that God has provided for you in this responsibility, you know, right? Do something with that. I, have a, I, have, I know a person whose dad was quite wealthy, and about every three years, this is how they would vacation. He would throw everybody in the car, drive to the airport, go to the checkout desk, and say, I want five tickets for the next plane that leaves. And I just want to go there. You can imagine, right, the wife of this person is like, where are we going to go? We're going to go somewhere, and then we're going to rent a car, and then we'll go to Target and buy clothes, and we'll leave those same clothes in the trunk, and then we'll be back. All right? I mean, we, we get worried about vacation, right? One time, Melinda and my sister, Melinda and I and my sister were in Southern California, and we said, hey, let's go to, let's go to Hearst Castle, you know? Said, well, we need to make reservations. <laughs> let's just go up there. You know, we went up there, and it turns out it was Memorial Day weekend, and all the hotels were taken. So we slept in the little Toyota Corolla in the parking lot of the Holiday Inn, and we're still talking about it. In the trunk of my car right now, there are two kites with four tails, two longboards, one for speed and one for carving, a trackball set, a jujitsu gi in case I have to defend myself, <laughs> and a spare tire because the dark days are certain to come. There's four shirts in there because the girls always get cold when we go to the movies, and I always want to be able to give them something like a blanket because you never know what might spontaneously happen in your life. What about you? There's opportunities around us all the time. Innocent fun is right in front of us. You know, you know just, just like grab it. Quit waiting just quit waiting until you're leaving an oncologist's office and saying, oh, I only have a few whatever left. You could do it now. You want to learn to dance? Learn to dance. Or learn to fight. Or learn to make pies. Or learn to shoot skeet. What if you were shooting pies with the skeet gun? <laughs> that would be so cool. Wouldn't that be great? It doesn't take money. It doesn't it, it, it's attitude looking for opportunities. Today at 630, you could go down to the Long Center down on the river. And at 7.30, the brass band of the symphony is going to be playing. You can have a meal out there, you and the friends. And then at 9 o'clock, Barton Springs is free at 9 o'clock at night on Sunday nights. And it's a full moon, and people will howl at the moon. I hope you're howling. 
I hope you'll be howling. We hit that water, you'll howl. <laughs> what? If you, if you have an attitude of joyousness towards every sunrise and then have before you with the acknowledgement that someday you'll be lying in a bed of death, and so because of that you say, each and every opportunity that comes my way, I will make the most of that innocent fun. If I see it and I like it and it's from God, I will not pass that by. The third regret that you'll have is a heavy heart. <laughs> Why do you have such a heavy heart, O oh little man? And so he says this. So then, look, what, look at the word, banish. Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off troubles from your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. They're mysterious. You have so much of life ahead of you, right? And he's saying guard your heart. It's the wellspring of your soul. Guard it from immorality. That'll keep it light. But also guard it from too much responsibility. Why do, why do you put so much on your shoulders? You say, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. Who put it there? Who put it there? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you pursue him, then just all these things will be added up, you know, to you. Don't just understand the boundaries of what you are to do. Be willing to let go of the things that don't matter. It is, it is easier to ride the wave than to control the sea. Most of us are tied in knot in our attempts to control the sea. It's not ours to control. It's not ours to know. Seek first the kingdom of God. Keep your soul like banish, banish anxiety from your soul. I miss being a student pastor so many times, and, and this time of the year especially because this is the time of the year that um, you generally you work with college staff, college volunteers, and they work with the high school students. And they are so much fun because they're, they, get, they understand this, not because they're young, but because they haven't, they haven't made choices that are hindering their freedom. When, by, you know, the last four years I did student ministry, I wouldn't even have adults on my team because they were so compulsive and worrisome. What if the bus, bus breaks down? What if the bus breaks? Look, the bus is going to break down. And then we're going to play Frisbee in a field. What if we run out of food? We're going to eat the adults. <laughs> Just, and so the last four years, like, I don't need this. Because the college kids are so much fun. And what, what, they, it doesn't have to be a plan all the time. And, and, and they're, like, they're, un, they're unharmed and untouched, unspoiled. They're, their eyes are clear. They're full of life, Right? They're not, again, most of them have made so many intelligent decisions to keep their heart pure. And, they, and so innocent fun is always before them. They go and they watch Disney movies still, right? They're, they're just pure and innocent and they're full of glee. And usually about the third night of camp when we, you know, we put all the campers to bed, we'll have just a time with you know, the, the college staff. And sometimes I would just explode on them. I'm just like, do you have any concept of what God has for you, if you would just not grow weary in doing good. Do these three things without regret. Have a fun, fundamentally joyful attitude about life. Seize every innocent opportunity you have that can have fun. And keep your heart light. 
Just keep, quit. It's not up, the world is not up to you. And you, what, could you, what could you do? You could have a life without regret. Now, I, I know, I know, apples and oranges, maybe, I don't know. But, you know, you grow up, you sign a few mortgages and that sort of thing, and it's like all this responsibility. I can tell you this, though. When you pull in your driveway, before you get out of the car, you can stop and change gears right there because you need, wherever you are, you need to be there, okay? So just stay there for a while and ask God to just say, God, leave work at work. And sometimes, you know, you could bring like a little notepad with you in the house, and whenever you get a, you know, a little insight from what you could be doing at work, just write it down so you can move back. Look at your family, the people you love, you know, your friends. Look at them in the eye when they play, when they talk. Stare at them. These are the things that you'll want to have done and you'll regret missing. Don't miss this. Make the most of the opportunities before you, the little things. Don't carry so much with you. I want you to look at the summary in 8, 9, just in chapter 11 here, 8, 9, 10 or so. And I want, this is going to startle some of you because of the nature of God. Look what he wants for us. Don't take a single day for granted. Take delight in each light-filled hour. You who are young, make the most of your youth. Relish your youthful vigor. Follow the innocent impulses of your heart. Refuse to worry. You won't be young forever. You'll hear people say, and a lot of us hold this in our heart, that God is a killjoy. No, he's not. That's in the Bible. <laughs> We're the killjoys. We, some of us have fences up where God doesn't put up fences. Some of us are opposed to good, godly Christians laughing. <laughs> I mean, we're just not enjoying life. I talked to a woman last week. She was on her way out, and she was just visiting. She was, uh, she was a little bit older. She was probably maybe 70 years old. And she said, and we talked about being joy-filled and taking opportunities, being lucky, you know, just feeling like we were lucky dogs, rather. And she said, I, I hang around with a number of people they're just negative about everything and their attitudes and about life and their health and that sort of thing. And I don't, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, um, I mean, have you tried to talk to them and try to, you know, you know <laughs> bring them over from the dark side? She said, oh, several times. And she said, most of them are in the church that I go to. I said, well, here's what you do. You get new friends. <laughs> because miserable people love miserable people. Because they, 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 they love other people to confirm their value system. Look, a quarter of this glass is empty. I see it too. I see it too. There's a quarter of it that ought to be ours. And, and if you can make a couple runs at trying to bring them over, but after that you need to leave because you're running out of time. You're running out of time. And you will never regret ending a sour relationship. You will not regret ending a sour relationship. And they, Solomon here is just trying to inspire us with the understanding that someday we will be laying with a meter measuring our heart. We are going to want to live that day without any regret. Want some more help? Fourth thing to avoid regretting is not serving God while you're young. 
Chapter 12, verse 1, is the introduction of a profound set of literature, if nothing else, poetically. Remember the Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach you when you will say, I find no pleasure in being old, is what he's saying. I find no pl- pleasure in these days. But look at the key word there is, is remember. Remember the Creator in the days of your youth. Now, what it doesn't mean is like when just kind of a cognitive, oh, right, oh, yeah, I remember him from high school. Did he have blonde hair? No, brown hair. Yeah, I remember that. That's not remember. Remember in the Old Testament is this uh, deep action word. It means that I am taking something into my will and doing something about it. So David, or I'm sorry, God remembers in 1 Samuel, God remembers Hannah. And Hannah is a person who has been begging God in her prayer life to have a child. She she's, can't have children. And so she's begging God, begging God. And then and it says, and then God remembered Hannah. And the next thing you know, God allowed her to, to have a child. That's what it means. It's an action word. It, it means, it, it, so when we remember the Lord in the days of our youth, it says to embrace him, to, to serve him, to love him, to act out on what he would have us do. In other words, remember God when your stuff is still working serve him, like use this body as a living sacrifice to do, to do things that he would want you to do while all the parts are still working. I mean, he's literally talking about your physical strength. This is one of the most beautiful allegories you'll ever see in the Bible, maybe in literature, where he compares a, a, a shambly house to his own old body. And so, like, the shutters are falling off. Those are his eyes, right? And, and, and so I'll just read through this. But I want you to see, in, at least in this translation, I think they, they do an excellent job of re- bringing up the word remember. That means act, decisively act and do something. So verse 2 says, Remember him before the light of the sun, before the light of the sun and the moon and the stars is dim in your old eyes, and the rain clouds are continually darkening your sky. Remember him when your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble, before your shoulders, the strong men, start to stoop. Remember him with, when your teeth, <laughs> the few remaining servants, stop grinding before your eyes, women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the doors of the door of life opportunity is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise to the first chirping of the birds. All it takes is a bird to wake you up. But when all their sound has has grown uh, faint, verse 5, remember him before you come fearful of falling. You're getting dizzy all the time and you're afraid of heights. And, And you worry about the dangers in the streets before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. When you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. Man, this guy's. <laughs> With the, when caperberry, it's an aphrodisiac, when caperberry no longer inspires your sexual desires, remember him before you near the grave. You're in, in, in everlasting home when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Five, verse 6 and 7 here. Remember, yes, remember your creator while you're still young. Before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken, don't wait until the water jar smashes and the springs and the pulleys are broken at the well. It's your heart. For, for then the dust will return to earth and your spirit will return to God. He's saying, when you are in this bed, I'm sorry, you will be in this bed. 
And before you get there, if you have any part working, you do something with that body part for God. You, you do what He would have you do. Because there will be a day when you say, oh, these arms are trembling. I can't even hold up a spoon to feed myself. But listen, before you get there, here's what you ought to do. If you have strong arms, you ought to like dig a water well somewhere or be that kid on the block that old people go to and say, hey, can you help me lift some groceries here? You know, I mean, you could, you could carry luggage from some old missionary around the world. Do something with your arms. Remember God. Your legs... With your legs, if, they, if you can bend down, good for you. If you can stand up, that's so cool. That is a great thing for knees to do, bend down and get back up. You could serve God in our children's ministry. A lot of those kids, they're rugrats. They're on, you'll be on your knees most of the time. You could serve God with those knees that still work. I wish my knees still work. Remember the Lord in the days of your youth. Don't regret using your body for God's glory. And then he goes on, he says, look, the, the teeth all I eat now is cold oatmeal. If I could do life over again, he's, he's from this bed. If I could do life over again, I would eat stuff. I wouldn't eat. I would go to the Congo and eat bark off the tree. Is that what they eat in the Congo? I don't know. But I, I've been to China. They'll eat duck feet there, and it's kind of rubbery, but you get to use your teeth. You know, you know what I'm saying? Your eyes, before they dim and you can't see anymore when you're laying in that bed at all, you see is shadows. You should go and see what God's church is doing around the world. Don't miss the opportunity to see his creation. Hearing loss. This is diabolical. I want to tell you how hearing loss works. I can't hear you, but the music's too loud. How does that work? I can't hear a thing they're playing up here, but it's too loud. And all it takes is a bird outside my closed window, and I wake up in the morning. I, if I had to do this over again, I would spend more time listening to fantastic music that glorifies God. I would hear testimonies of his genius in people's lives. I would remember my creator in the days of my youth. Before my brain turns to mush, I would fill it with Scripture. I would meditate on it day and night, the wisdom of the great writers of the old and the new. Before my heart stops, I would work in the hot sun and help my dad mow his lawn. That's what it says in the Hebrew right there. <laughs> I would remember the Creator in the days of my youth. While everything is running, use it. Don't miss opportunities to serve God. That is the fourth regret that you'll have when that bed has your name at the bedpost. Here's how to live a life without regret. It is simple. It's two sentences. It couldn't be any more clear. It's not easy, but it's clear and it's simple. He says this. This is a life without regret. Now, when all has been heard, here's the conclusion of all things. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or whether it's evil. Fear God. Do what he tells you. God wants only good for you. I'll adapt that. I think only God wants what's good for you. Inside the parameters of his moral decrees where it's safe, you do whatever comes to your mind or heart. 
You'll answer to God for every choice you make. Everyone will answer to God for every choice they make. Some of you are so tied in knots, the heaviness on your heart is about justice, your ex-husband, your ex-boss, your ex-whatever, the, the, the injustice that's taken place. What does he say there? He says, don't worry. God will bring every deed into judgment, including everything hidden. They got away with it. Did they? They didn't. And, and neither will, will any of us. So let's just put that over there. It's it's report card day. You don't have to fear report card day if you play within the fence. Just fear God. Just fear God and obey his commandments. And you will not live a life with regret. That's what Solomon is telling. At the end of his, at the end of his tenure, his long life full of decadence and wisdom both, he says, this is it. Once a year, someone comes to our congregation, and they're, they're old, and I think they've been to the doctor, and they come in here finally because, you know, it's kind of a foxhole sort of thing. And they just, they, they find out they're going to die soon. And they've just wrecked every life they've ever touched. And they come in here, you know, I think the fact that we have the word grace written on the sides of our buildings maybe gives them hope. And they say, what can I do with what's left? There's two types, two levels, right, of regret. There's dying with regret and there's living with regret. And they'll come in here with their walkers and they'll say, I'm, I'm still living but I have a lot of regret. And we tell them, okay, look, <laughs> the power of God's grace is going to work miracles if you lean into the courage here. But you're going to have to repent on not what you've done, but who you are. And then we can make a list of the people that you need to reconcile with, and we can pray that God will give them mercy to have mercy on you. And we'll see what we can make out of these last few years of your life. Friends, they come in hunched over. And if they do these things, and they, they're still alive, so they're living with regret, so they can do something about it. And by the end, their heads are high, their shoulders are back, and they're laughing again. And some of them, these men and women, when they're in that bed, they have a few family with them. They have a, few, a couple of friends and even some coworkers. I, I, I was part of a funeral one time where our son came up and everybody was talking about how much they loved their, this, this, this boy's young, he was an adult male, but his father, he was in his 60s and when he died, he, he got some things right. He finally got some things right and, and the son was the last one to speak. He must have been 30 and he said, I don't know the man you guys know. I wish I would have. He finally started seeing what God could do in his life. I never got a piece of that, but I'm happy I'm happy that he lived long enough to not die with regret. God only wants goodness for you. Only God wants goodness for you. He wants you free. He wants you lighthearted. He wants you to have joy for every day you get to live. I thought it would be appropriate since we're ending the book. Why don't we just ask God to see what we need to change in our life so we could, this could be the day that we move forward, that we move. Some of us are just stuck. Some of us are going the wrong way. You need to turn around. Some of us are stuck. I've been stuck for years. This is the day we face the right way and we move forward, okay? Let's just have a time together, okay? <laughs> and there's a lot of us, but let's just pretend it's just you and God, okay? Let me ask, ask some, th some things, okay? Let's bow our heads. And think about this, first of all. There's, there's some things that I just kind of gleaned over the series. One of them is 
is how much the word lot is used, the idea that this is, this is what you get in life. This is your incurable disease. This is the experiences you've had. This is the difficulties you live with. And, and I, think, I think the book is trying to tell us, okay, just accept it so that you can move past it and not be a victim, but be a person who is encouraged by daily living. So some of us, could you accept the cards that you've been dealt. And just to receive those, not look at somebody else's cards, not envy, not resent, or just say, this is it. This is me until I see him. Could this be the day that you unstuck? And some of you, I, you know, just today would be a perfect day for you to understand what God has for you that you don't have a joyous attitude about, about life, that you would love to be the person who is formerly known as Eeyore. It would start today if you chose to feel differently or to think differently about God's blessings. You just, you just ask God to do that. You say, God, would you change my whole way of looking at life, that I would be grateful for every sunrise. And then finally, some of, some of us in here, we just need to obey God. We've been playing outside the fence, and our hearts are heavy. We're getting harder and more calloused. Get back inside the moral parameters of God. Let his spirit encourage you and strengthen you. But be free and innocent in your choices inside the fence. Repent. I have been disobeying you, God. I'm, I'm, I'm remorse about that. Friends, we are one hour and 14 minutes closer to meeting King Jesus since we walked in this door. Now, you bring him a story of joy and generosity and sacrifice with gratitude. You bring him a story of a life without regret. That's Solomon talking. Lord, we are grateful for this man's wisdom that we can learn from his mistakes and his insight as well. Let us be a church that lives this way. We could, we could change the complexity of this whole city if we were to surrender this way. Lord, let us be that type of people. Let's be that type of church. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.